podcast, The Career Explorer, which is for kids like me who want to explore different and unique jobs that are interesting, amazing, and could be best to our ideal dream career. Today, I have a very special guest joining me for my fourth episode. I'm really happy to introduce my guest today, Professor David A. Shore. Welcome. Thank you very much, Nicole. Professor Shore is a former associate dean at Harvard University, where he continues to, to lead executive education programs according and according to the U.S. News and World Report rankings of the best universities in the world for this year, 2022. Harvard is ranked first. Professor Shore is the fo- former distinguished professor of innovation and change at Tianjin University in China. He is also a founding member of the External Implementation Advisory Board at McKenzie & Company, which is one of the top management consulting firms in the world. And he is also a senior consultant of innovation in the United, at the United Nations. Wow, this is quite an impressive resume. I'm so glad you were able to join me today. My pleasure. So can you tell me um, a little bit about what you do as a university professor at Harvard? Well, um, so when I was an associate dean, then I had a lot of administrative responsibilities, serves on a lot of committees, a lot of meetings. Now uh, I have the great luxury of doing two things, teaching, which is a real passion of mine, and talking all the time to students about their future career path, where they want to go. Um, I talk with them both when they're my students now, but also my philosophy is that when you're my student, you're my student for life. And so they will email me and contact me years later and say, you know, you may not remember me, but I took your class 10 years ago and I have a question. So, um, you know, I, I get to teach and then I get to watch and talk to these individuals as they grow. And I've been very, very proud of the successes many of them have had. That is so cool. So what exactly do you teach? Well, I teach courses on change and innovation. And in in those courses, I teach about things like trust and empathy and building skills that are desirable for the 21st century. Those are different skills, perhaps, than the 20th century. That is super, super interesting. So what do you enjoy most about your job? Well, teaching at Harvard, what I enjoy most is what I call cognitive diversities. That is the various opinion, cognitive head, brain, the various opinions of people. Uh, At Harvard, um, we have students from usually about 90 different countries. So it would not be uncommon in, in a class I'm teaching have a student from China and a student from Russia and a student from England and Spain and on and on and on. And that diversity, these are people who have grown up in different cultures with different backgrounds, different experiences, different belief systems. And yet at the end of the day, Nicole, people are people, carbon and water. We're, We're more similar than dissimilar despite different backgrounds, but I love the variation, the variety in the student body. That is super, super cool. So you you basically, like, no two students are alike. 
Yeah, in some ways, no two students are alike, and in other ways, we're remarkably similar as human beings. For example, I mentioned trust, whether you come from one country or another, you're rich or poor, regardless of whether you're a male or female, everyone craves trust. So it's a common denominator. And one of the things successful professionals do is to kind of figure out what are the things that matter most to people, regardless of who they are, or what they're doing. Wow. So what do you enjoy least about your job? I enjoy least grading papers because the tests that I do are not multiple choice or true or true false, but they're papers. And so they're subjective. And to look at someone's essay and to give it a numerical grade of one number or another is really hard because there's so much that is is, is not is a matter of, of subjectivity or opinion. So it's it's so it's more of like opinion than like math problems where like one plus one is two. You can't right. do that. Not, and that's life. Very few things in life it, it, do we find one plus one is two. Uh, and so having people think in different ways where the answers aren't so clear, and then to justify their arguments why they picked a versus b um, is really what learning is all about not it's not the mere accumulation of facts because facts don't always give you the answers unless it's arithmetic and it's one plus one equal two can you share with um the audience and what what's the most memorable experience you have from being a professor well that's there's lots, but I think one of my favorite is every year uh, until the pandemic, I teach Chinese students who are just about your age, Nicole, just about your age. Um, and these are people who want to uh, go to maybe a university in the United States like Harvard, and they come to spend a week with me at Harvard. Um, some of them are as young as eight, some are as old as 13 or 14. And in China, a tradition is that many students choose to give the professor a gift at the end of the class. And they line up and they have gifts that they bring from China. And um, not everyone, but most. Uh, and they're gift wrapped and many of them are incredibly nice and thoughtful gifts. Well, I remember one class right before the pandemic, right, 19, 2019, the students lined up and they came up to, to have a picture. To, that's another cultural difference. Everyone wants to take a picture. Everyone, you know, um, so they take a picture and then they give me the gift. Well, this one boy didn't have a gift. He forgot or he didn't have a gift, but he saw everyone else did. So he came up and he handed me a pencil. I'm sorry, a pen, it was a pen. And he said, I didn't bring a gift, but here's a pen that I bought. It was just a, like a regular pen you'd get in any store. Here's a pen I bought at the airport. And he pointed to it, he said, see here, it says made in China. <laughs> because most things like that are made in China. So, But one of the things it teaches us is that, again, people in many ways are very similar. We all have two universal desires. One is to do meaningful work, something that makes you want to jump out of bed in the morning and say, I can't wait to work on this. So we call it meaningful work. And the other is a desire to be longed. 
to belong to something bigger than yourself. And this boy, and I say boy because he was probably about 10, he wanted to belong and do things that his peers were doing. And I, and you know, many of these gifts, I have to be honest, I can't keep them all because I have probably gotten a thousand uh, over the years, but I keep that pen. <laughs> I keep that pen. And every time I look at it, I smile. <laughs> That is so cool. Like what education like path did you need to take in order to do all that stuff? <laughs> to, to teach? Yeah, to teach. Yeah. And like, Well, in many, not all universities, but universities like Harvard and many universities, you have to go and get a doctoral degree. Um, so in not all universities, in local colleges, many times if you have good experience, you know, a master's degree would work just fine, but a doctoral degree. And then you have to um, show that you've performed well, and most notably by writing, writing books, writing articles, getting research grants, um, being invited to give talks at conferences. Uh, so things like that. In other words, to have a reputation. Um, and so, uh, because one of the things anyone wants when they're hiring someone is for that person to make them better and make them look better, make their brand better. So reputation is very important and also having formal education, like a doctoral degree if it's a university like Harvard. My dad has one of your books. So what, what did you um, like write that on? Like what, what's the topic? The topic that your dad has it on is about launching and leading change initiatives. That is, if you want, and no one hires someone to maintain the status quo. No one hires to say, listen, Nicole, we'd love you to come here and we want you to do exactly the same thing we've always done. They <laughs> hire people because they want you to improve, make things better, what we call continuous improvement. And so this book is about how do you start that off, but then how do you manage it? Because anyone can have a good idea but how do you continue that going? And that's what that book is about. Is there anything you would have changed during your career path? Well, what I would recommend, regardless of the field or the areas of interest, I would recommend that everyone become, strive to become what we call a T, the letter T, a T-shaped professional. And what we mean by that is on the, vertical line of the T, you have to develop skills, you have to develop technical skills, you have to have a depth of, of skill. And on the horizontal line of the T, you have to develop what we call meta skills. These are transferable skills that no matter what you do, will serve you well. Things like trust or empathy. If you change careers, if you change jobs, if you change industries, the, I cannot imagine a situation where the horizontal line of the T, where you're learning to deal with people across departments or in different professions or from different cultures. So it's a combination of, a, of vertical skills, technical skills to do the job, but also horizontal meta skills that are transferable regardless of what department you're working with, what project you're working on, what people you're working with. 
Wow, that's that's really interesting. I, I that that's a good way to think of it. It's it's wow. So um, what's the best career advice you've ever received? The best career advice I've ever received, and then I've given it to many others, is um, don't focus on productivity. Don't focus on being more productive. Focus on purpose. Because if you have a purpose, you will have passion. And if you have purpose and passion, the productivity will come very easily. One of the things you see in people who have a sense of purpose is they accomplish great things because they just really, really enjoy what they do. And so the goal is to, you don't find your purpose, you create your purpose. You find something that you think you can offer that the world needs. And when you find that, then you found your purpose. And it truly is um, remarkable. People that, that I, the colleagues of mine at Harvard, they're there, you know, at midnight or on a Sunday morning, not because anyone looks to see if they're, no one even knows they're there, but they're there because they have this, this idea came to them in the middle of the night and they jumped out of bed because they wanted to explore it further. Um, and, and there's and there's nothing that can be more enjoyable than feeling excited about what you're spending your days doing. What's the best career advice you have for someone who might be interested in becoming a professor? Well, I'd say the best advice I have for someone who wants to be a professor or doesn't want to be a professor, regardless is, you know, there's a philosophy that we've had for over a hundred years at Harvard. Harvard's the oldest university in the United States, so for over a hundred years, um, which is we want people to learn a little bit of everything and one thing very well. And it's actually so my advice is don't specialize too much because if you specialize too much. You have a narrow focus. You only can see one point of view, what we call subspecialties, very, very special. It's good to have an expertise in something, but it's also good to see the bigger pictures from various points of view. That's the most creative and innovative professionals, the ones who can connect the dots know something about lots of things. They say, oh yeah, I read a little about that in physics. Oh, or they talk about that in philosophy and they connect the dots or in mathematics, we say this, um, but some people only have that narrow blinders and that's, they're, they're technically very good, but they don't see the bigger picture. And it's the bigger picture when you connect those dots that you come up with creative, innovative ideas. So it's basically like everything has something in common, like. Well, yeah, things, not everything, but things, yeah, you can say, you know, that's what life experiences give you. If you work them through, you say, you know, I remember once talking to someone about this and that reminds me of that. And when I was visiting this and you see how all those pieces contribute to the greater good or the puzzle. So I think it's very healthy. You know, as I, I could say from what we said earlier about students from different countries, well, that may be a problem here, but in China, here's how they handle that. Or in Russia, here's what they do in that situation. So being able to look at things from a variety of perspectives is really, really helpful. That's really interesting. So um, is, 
I think we're done, but um, I in the intro, I mentioned that um, you do consulting work for NU and other companies. And is this normal for a university professor? Like, <laughs> It is not at all universities, but at, at universities like Harvard, uh, also we call them some, there are many, many other great, great, but Ivy League universities. There are eight of them in the United States, like Harvard and Yale and Princeton. Um, in universities like that, it's quite common um, to do consulting. And the reason it's so valuable is because just what we were saying, Nicole, you go out into the field and you learn things that you wouldn't learn in the library. The best professionals have one foot in the library and one foot in the street where theory informs practice and practice informs theory. So I find it incredibly helpful, useful, to go and visit organizations or countries or companies. In fact, I've often said that when I stop doing it, I'll stop teaching about it. In other words, when I stop going out there and talking to people who are involved on the front lines. For example, um, I just did some work with a school system, a public school system, and I learned a lot about how resistant some teachers are to change because they've been teaching using the same lesson plans for the last 30 years. And that helped me understand why people are resistant to change. And I use that in the teaching I do and the consulting. So they feed each other. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's that's really, really cool. So um, I want to give a special thanks to Professor Shore for joining me today. And I hope that you, my fellow career explorers, found this episode really interesting and who knows maybe someday you'll become a professor at harvard thanks again for joining me professor shore i had a great time me too thank you and nicole good luck to you thank you bye-bye until next time